Welcome to the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Davidson, where it's my job to deconstruct the techniques, habits, and strategies of world-class mountain bikers so that you can discover how to shred with absolute confidence. We'll cover everything from breaking down exactly how you can ride faster with more control to reducing crashes and even how to transform your life with insights from the leaders of our sport. Whether you're a beginner getting started, an advanced rider hungry for an edge, or an elite rider competing to prolong your career, the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast has something for you. So get ready, let's drop in and go hit the trails. All right, ladies and berms, mountain bike fanatics and riders of the world, welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast. Today I am joined with pro downhiller and bike park creator slash operator slash uh, just all around good guy for our local area, uh, Nico Malali. So super excited to meet with you, Nico. He's coming off of a fresh win of the downhill Southeast series, um, over at snowshoe as well as uh, fresh off of a surgery. So it's really nice of you to sit down and spend some time with me today. And we are actually on location at uh, ride Canuga, an amazing bike park that you guys just launched and, um, put on the map. So appreciate that. And thanks for being on the show today. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. It's uh, it's always cool to do these things in person. I've done a lot of them over the computer and sometimes you don't know whose turn it is to talk next. So it's, uh, it's nice to sit down with you and have a conversation. And yeah, I just had a little procedure done. I had a pinched nerve in my neck. I've been dealing with this summer. So I just had it fixed three days ago. So I got a, about a two inch incision through, through my, uh, bottom of my throat here. So my voice sounds a little weird, excuse me, but, um, all in all, I feel pretty normal. Actually, it's went super smooth. So I should be back at it in no time. Cool. Always good to hear that, man. So what I wanted to, to chat about was ride Canuga. I came up here for opening day, great opening. I think you guys had over, what was it? 250 people showed up. Um, just give us a little bit about the opening day and what ride Canuga is about. Yeah, we had a, a great turnout. I was, I was really excited about it. I think our, our kind of, our build up to it was, went, went really well and was really well timed. A lot of these things you, you hear about so long in advance that you forget about it two or three times before you, it actually is open. But we did a pretty good job of like kind of leaking out some video and, and some, some media from us riding the trails here and building them. And then right when it kind of was known exactly what we were doing here at Canuga, it was like, well, it's opening in three weeks. So people could put it on their calendar that they wanted to come out. Um, so it was pretty cool. I actually, um, live 20 minutes away from here. So I got into this project through a friend of mine, Dr. Dave Lamond. He, um, he lives bordering the property at Canuga and Canuga is a summer camp and conference center that's been here for hundreds, over a hundred years. It's, it's really old. It's pretty cool. Um, they have a lot of really nice buildings on the facility. It's uh, there's two huge lakes. It's a beautiful property and it's like 10 minutes from Hendersonville. It's close to the highway. It's like a really good location. Um, right between like really close to DuPont, close to Pisgah, like between all the good mountain biking here. Um, so they had actually approached Dave, my buddy about getting some trails built on their property. They just saw mountain biking was up and coming in the area. Um, they wanted to get involved with it. They wanted to have better mountain bike trails for the camp, the kids here at camp, and then just have like 
a better trail system on property and being in just in just in North Carolina, there's so much going on here. They wanted to get involved. So Dave kind of passed them on to me to, to meet with them and talk to them about what I knew about trails and trail building. And I'm not a trail builder per se. I've done a few projects and, and kind of have some experience with knowing what works and what doesn't. So I, I sat down with them and they were shocked at how much the trails were going to cost to build. I kind of just gave them what I knew of like the going rate for what they wanted. And long story short, they, um, they ended up working out a deal with Dave where, um, we, we were able to build the trails and monetize them to the public. And then th- that's in that situation, they got what they wanted, which was trails on their property for camp. And then for us, like we built them all for them and managed this public bike park. So it's a great partnership where we were able to use their land and they were able to have trails on, on camp. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It happened pretty quick, I guess, with races canceled this year due to COVID. I had extra time. I, I was planning on designing these trails and laying them all out and then implementing the team that was going to build it. But um, I didn't plan to spend as much time as I did personally working out here, but it was actually a great use of time. I guess I would have been, like most other racers, kind of bored for a couple months. So um, it worked out great, We but the the build of it went super fast we started in march and opened in july so we got a bike park done pretty quick by 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 most terms that's interesting too because i didn't even get through but i think it was three of the trails there's gncc the green one and then one other one and um i think one of their 10 trails out here now. So some of our listeners, they're going to be newer to mountain biking and, you know, they might think, oh, a bike park, what is that? Or what could I, what could I experience by coming out and visiting a place like Red Canuga? So maybe walk through if someone is maybe newer to biking and they haven't been to a destination like this, cause this is, let, let's be honest. I mean, if you drove from Texas, you're going to get your money's worth by coming here. So if someone treats this like a destination, comes and rides for a day. Give us a little bit of what can they expect, what might be different from maybe their local trails and anything they need to kind of prepare for a good experience. I guess to me, the difference between a bike park and and just your, your local trail system is a bike park makes the trails that you want to ride instantly accessible, whether it's a lift access or a shuttle access bike park or in this sense it's kind of a new model where it's a pedal access bike park that's e-bike friendly um we've built a pretty a wide variety of trails in a very small area that are super easy to access you know people want instant gratification so you can um hit a jump line that's got a climbing trail right next to it and get back up to the top of that in two or three minutes session those jumps um you've got a climbing trail that goes all the way to the top of the mountain that's a really mellow grade on an e-bike it's like 10 minutes on a regular bike it's 20 minutes it's a pretty easy climb and then at the top there's 10 different trails to choose from so you've got a variety of really easy stuff whether it's um a green flow trail up to a blue flow trail, up to a black flow trail, a jump trail of each of those varieties, and then natural stuff too, where you've got single track, single track with rocks, some stuff with drops or jumps on it. So a cool thing here is like most 
most places you have a lot of trail and it's all a similar a similar flavor you could say whereas here each trail is unique and different it's a different style you have a totally different feel from GNCC which is a blue single track to Roto Ruckus which is a blue flow trail and they're right next to each other so we we tried to make utilize the natural terrain here on the mountain and then um, make different styles for each trail so one thing that I found really interesting as well is the e-bikes. <laughs> so obviously we, I don't know if you hear as much of it as, as we do, um, on the, you know, on the internet. Um, but <laughs> dude, um, I was just shocked to see how many e-bikes were out here. And, you know, regardless of your opinion of them, it just makes sense to at least have that option available. Um, I was personally pedaling up on a, what do you call it? Like a, Man, man bike <laughs> and analog bike yeah <laughs> something like that um <clears throat> so i was i was pedaling up to the top but it was really cool to see the like the dads and moms who were towing their kids up using an e-bike and then riding down so that's actually something i've never seen before is that something that you guys intended or like had ever seen before um as a as a way for this to work just or what was your impression of that i'm curious i think the e-bike thing was something that's been coming for a long time um i can understand why certain areas are hesitant to have e-bikes come into their trail system but what we wanted to do here was make a totally new trail system something that you know there was no trails here before we designed something specific um, as a bike park and was going to be friendly for e-bikes and if you look at it People, when they go to a bike park, normally think of it as riding a chairlift or a shuttle to the top of the hill. There's a lot of energy and expense that goes into creating that uplift. And uh, an e-bike is actually a lot easier solution to that. And in addition, a lot of places where you need a chairlift or a shuttle, you need a big mountain. So you can't really have it close by and accessible to say a big city or somewhere where people live. Um, not that this one is, but it just is a example for the future that you could build a really cool bike park, something that's accessible to a lot more people without having to have a Whistler mountain to build it on. You know, you could build it somewhere close to a downtown. Um, you don't need as much elevation. And then the use of the e-bike takes the chairlift or shuttle out of it. And if your goal is to you know, when most people think of a bike park, it's they want to go have the most fun they can have on the bike. They want to spend less time pedaling uphill, more time riding, fun descents. And on an e-bike, it gets you to the top of a fun descent actually quicker than most chairlifts or shuttles. Um, we have an access road here that we were shuttling. I was, I was shuttling on just to test out some of the trails and my buddy Luca was on his e-bike and by the time I loaded the the bike onto the rack and drove the side by side to the top he was beating us by like a minute to the top on his e-bike on the climbing trail and he was riding single track at 20 miles an hour the whole time so it just changes the ride you know like even the stuff that's uphill is fun um you can you can just spend the whole time you're riding on the bike where a day we go train for downhill, you know, we could do 10, three minute runs and we're riding the bike for only 30 minutes, but you spend all day waiting in line on the shuttle, sitting in the parking lot or an e-bike ride. It's like you're riding the whole time. And that I'm, I'm not a complete advocate for e-bikes. I think they're a fun 
a fun toy to have. It's something really cool to have in your garage that's enjoyable to ride. I wouldn't stop riding a regular mountain bike. Um, I wouldn't trade that for any bike, but it's a, uh, it's just a, it's a different thing. It's, it's up and coming. The, the technology is getting so much better. The, the bikes are, are getting lighter. Batteries last longer. Um, and they, you know, they don't really do much damage to the trail. Like if you could argue that people are riding more trail because they're on an e-bike than they could normally ride without an e-bike. I mean, isn't the goal to get more people to ride more trail? Like, it seems to me like, like that's a good thing. Like we want people to ride more. So yeah. And then on the, on the other side, like my mom, she just got into riding last year and here at Canuga, she could do like one lap and be pretty tired and probably call it a day. But on her e-bike, she'll do six or seven laps and ride way more and love it, have a lot more fun the whole time. So, you know, you can get people that maybe they can't quite get into it and they're, the barrier to entry is fitness-wise is is too much. They can go and, and enjoy all the fun parts of mountain biking. And I think that's what some people don't like is like, hey, you know, we've earned that. These people are just come and they can have all the fun. But it's like, you know, get over it. Like more people riding is better in, in my opinion. I hear you. And um, one thing too that you kind of hinted at that I'll vouch for personally with, <clears throat> excuse me, with my experience on the mountain was, I think, what is it? 500 feet of elevation. Okay. So 500 feet of elevation. And um, ju- just for context, um, I-, I built and hosted a downhill race a long time ago. I think we had 72 feet of elevation and we had, you know, wall ride and jumps and drops. It's definitely nowhere near where Canuga is, but, um, the amount of elevation matters less than how you use it. And the sheer variety of trails out here, I mean, even the climb was pleasant. And I was talking about that with, um, some of the builders and a huge shout out to them for taking the care and the, you know, just the, the sensibility and and paying attention to even the details there. But what someone might not realize until they come out to an actual bike park is the variety of riding, like you said, but then also just how it's kind of custom made for everybody. You know, you, I I think I didn't get a chance to watch it. I haven't even seen the video yet, but I think there's a video of you and, and some of the other riders sending like a 65 foot gap. Is that, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So there's a 65 footer out here. And then me personally, I was, you know, just squeezing in some rides between taking care of kids and, and, you know, I, I couldn't like go out for a full day of like progression, but how big is the, the jump on Tortuga? Uh, that one's probably 25 feet. It's not, okay. nothing crazy. Yeah. So it's like, I was able to go out that and hit that the first time and, you know, feel like, Oh, well I actually built some confidence. Maybe I can go hit a 30 foot. Now I did get stopped by the rain, but, um, it's it, what's really cool about this. And again, I just want to encourage people. If you haven't been to a bike park yet, a place like Canuga is really, really good because you have all of the different steps of progression there and you're able to, <clears throat> you're basically able to go out and wherever your riding skill is, you can, you know, go just one level above that and do it safely. So uh, it's really, really well-built trail system. 
And um, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to share about or any, especially shout outs you want to give to any of the builders or any special people on the project we haven't talked about yet? I was able to, to kind of come up with the master plan, the idea for it, but it was really everybody played a huge part and took a lot of pride in building each trail. Um, Callie, my girlfriend, she's built four of the trails here and she's got good experience with running the excavator and, and laying stuff out and doing the finish work. So she, she was, you know, I always say you're good at building a trail. You can imagine yourself riding or that you like to ride. So she built some of the more cross country, the green trail that was, she did a great job. It's actually like pretty fun to ride for me, but also green enough for everybody. So she, that was pretty cool. She, she built that. And then she built the blue flow trail and the GNCC and the climbing trail, which honestly, those trails are going to be the most used trails here. And they were all built by a little girl, so, <laughs> but they, they, she did a great job. And then, um, my pal Isaac built all the jump trails and he did an awesome job with that stuff. He's, he's got a good eye for it and, and just laying out like the trajectory, um, for each jump and the spacing between them is super challenging to get right. Like it's easy to build downhill trails that are imperfect, which kind of makes them fun, but to build a jump trail, like you can tell when something's wrong. So, um, to have an eye for that and, and build something that's big, but also mellow and predictable, um, and flows well and all drains well and like fits into the forest utilizes like the rises and falls of the natural terrain that that's challenging. And that definitely takes a good eye. So, um, yeah. And then, um, my pal, David Danley, he did a lot of our handwork and did some machine work for us as well. And he's actually out there now doing maintenance today. So he's keeping everything running. Um, and then, uh, Dave's kids, Bobby and JD were helping us a ton too. So it was definitely a family effort. And then, um, our buddy Yuri spent a lot of time with Callie working on the, the green trail, the climbing trail, and, um, just tidying up some of the stuff around the park, um, improving some of the intersections with the hiking trails and things like that. So, um, everybody deserves a huge shout out. They, um, they all put a, put a ton of passion into it. And, and I think that's the difference. Like you can tell if you go to Subway and get a foot long, or if you get like a sandwich made with love. And that's what I think we have here at Canuga. All right, man. Well, now I'm hungry. So uh, <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, and big thanks to those guys too. They did an awesome job. And um, we were kind of joking about Callie being the machine queen. So a uh, huge shout out to her um, and, and the rest of the crew as well. There's, there's a lot of Daves involved here. I'm, you know, I'm Dave, you got Danley, you've got uh, then Lamont. So something about being Dave. If you're a Dave and you're in biking, then you're in the right place. So good stuff. Um, love it, man. And so we were talking the other day about it, the Canuga in general, and you had mentioned the word experimental, or maybe you tried some things that maybe were a different approach from what you've done at Windrock, from, I don't know, any other trail system. So I'm just curious what you meant by that. Can you expand on maybe what's different here or maybe what you tried that was a different approach and, um, how that impacted the final, final result. Yeah. I'd say, um, for one, the e-bike thing, I think that's definitely new, a, a new concept. And as I explained, not needing a chairlift or shuttle and, um, an e-bike charge, I think costs on the average American electricity, six cents to charge versus a diesel truck running down up and down the hill all day or a 
a chairlift, what kind of power and um, employees it takes to run a, a chairlift at a ski resort. So that, that's definitely an experimental thing, seeing how we can make uh, the same fun experience of a downhill park with with using e-bikes for the uplift. Um, and not necessarily even just the uplift, but make how can we make the uphill part fun too? I think that's something that we still have yet to totally utilize. I think we can make like an uphill flow trail where you could be on the power hitting turns without dragging a pedal. Um, I have some ideas, but haven't totally nailed that one down yet. But I think there's there's a lot of room there with on the e-bike end and um, really, I guess what, what's kind of experimental is that it's, it's not an uplift bike park, but you pay to use it. And for me, like I, I always am on the side of the riders. I organize the downhill Southeast races and have done a few bike park things in the past. And I'm always, I always want it to be less expensive. I want the entry fee to be cheaper. I want the lift ticket to be cheaper. I want it to be accessible to more people. I don't want there to be a barrier of entry that's financial. So uh, at the same time though, like we, there has to be a cost involved to, to make it possible. If it was free, you know, you get, you get what you pay for, you wouldn't have any of this stuff to ride. So the idea is like, you know, we all advocate for new trails and, you know, you could spend years trying to get a new trail in your area and, and wait around for it and, and hope that somebody does something. Um, but in this case, we, we just went out and built the trails and attached a small fee to ride them. And, and that fee hopefully will cover the costs to build the trails and keep them up and make the park sustainable. So the idea was like, hey, if everybody pitches in, we can have this trail system here. And instead of trying to do it backwards, we're just going to go ahead and build it and then I am confident that the trails are going to be good enough that people are going to want to come ride them and it's going to be worth their day pass or, or, you know, you can get a membership as well for locals. That's actually really affordable, um, that, that, that we can build this and maintain it and have it here for you to use. And everybody just chips in a small fee. And I think most people have said like, I donate money to the national forest. If I knew that that money went to maintain my favorite trails, but it's just really not like a, a program right now that they have so many other things to worry about they're understaffed that um that that's possible so while i'd love to see in the future a, a bunch of free mountain bike trails that are just as good as these here it's just not something that's available right now and instead of waiting around and hoping we just went ahead and built it and um so far it's been super well received better than I kind of expected, you know, it kind of had a mindset of like, you know, who's going to pay to ride this? Like, I, I thought it was cool. And of course, like the trails are great, but, um, definitely adding an entry fee makes a barrier, makes a little bit of a barrier of entry, but it's been, you know, people have seen the value and, and I, I know that the trails are good. I know that once people get out there and ride them, they're going to be happy with that, that they came and they're going to be satisfied. Um, so it was just kind of like a, a bit of an experiment with the whole way that we we're operating this bike park. And I think it's going to open up, um, some doors to do some really cool things along these lines in the future and be able to build really cool, unique trails and features on the trails that you may not be able to build in other places. 
based on it being private and being a bike park and people um, paying to enter. So we can we can do some cool stuff that way. Really interesting was that. So this whole approach again, it's to you know not, you're not reinventing mountain biking. You're just saying, hey, what if we what if we offered it a different way and then attached a small fee to it to make sure that it's sustainable. But, um, I'm curious, who's, is this a group of people's idea? Was it just something that came to you or did you guys start building out here and realize, Hey, why don't we try this exactly? How did you come across that idea? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the model of, of most lift access bike parks, but, um, we just kind of had the idea when, when we had met with Canuga and they were, they, they wanted to have trails here, but they were surprised at the price of them. Um, going back with, with Dave, we, we kind of thought, you know, we can build them the trails that they want and it'd be awesome to have them here, but we could build them good enough that everybody's going to want to come ride them and we can, we can make the money back that we invested into it and then some more to sustain the park by selling day passes or offering it to the public for a small fee which is um i I guess like other other things you know you pay a membership for an experience it's not just it's not just like you pay to enter the land it's like you pay and you get these trails that were designed specifically for a mountain bike nobody is going to be hiking on them nobody's gonna be riding a horse on them nobody's gonna be riding the wrong direction on the trail that you're trying to shred on and they're all going to be maintained. Like it's rained this week and these guys have been out there all week fixing everything up. You know, it's all pretty fresh. So anytime a fresh trail gets built before it compacts, there's going to be little issues in there. But while, while it settles in, they're fine tuning it. Anytime if there was a tree down, like it's going to be cut, like you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So um, that's kind of what you're getting for your money. And it allows us to do a lot better of a job than you can do on a volunteer basis or on public lands. Um, and that's the idea. It's just like, Hey, we can offer a cooler, more unique experience. And I think a better experience, um, doing it this way. Solid. That makes sense. So I'm just listening to you here. And also from, from the lunch conversation we were having earlier, I know you love to compete and so this is, this could be a question about competing as well, but what do you really feel like is the most exciting or rewarding part about, you know, standing in front of the challenge of, you know, creating another bike park or playing a role in, in something new like this? What do you feel like is the most exciting or more rewarding part of it in your experience? Yeah. I mean, I think like most people that are creating businesses, it's like, it's not necessarily making the money or getting it into your bank account. At the end of the day, it's creating a system. It's looking at this whole thing as like, how can we make a really good experience? And then on the back end, make a system that allows it to all just, just work. And that's down to like, I mean, we're still working out kinks, but like how you buy a pass, where you park, um, the, the e-bike rentals that we're offering, the the way that the trail system flows and like all the stuff on the mountainside like on the dirt end of it i'm pretty good with and i'm pretty confident i'm got experience in that department but then like we were trying to get it to where the local shops can sell a pass and if they sell a pass how do they do it what type of pass does the person actually get a physical pass how do we check it and keep track of it 
um, keep track of the amount of visits. And so that stuff is like, I want to try to get systems in place that just work and don't, you don't have to feel like they're going to fall apart or you have to keep checking on them and they need manual input all the time. Um, so it's the same as like trying to build a trail that doesn't need to be constantly maintained. You want to build it sustainable. So the weather, whatever happens, you want to try to build, um, the systems in place for people to come and have a good time riding here for our employees that are working here to be able to do their job as the best they can without having to fight an uphill battle on whether it's getting rental bikes out or getting passes to people or just getting people checked in, just making the, like all that stuff. Um, you don't necessarily realize it when it all goes smoothly, but when it doesn't, you for sure realize it. So, um, just trying to make all that stuff as seamless as possible. Cause let's face it, like people come here to ride the trails. They don't come here because we have a nice parking lot or because we have really good drainage on the side of the trail or because the check when you bought your ticket, it was really nice. Like people want to come here to ride an awesome mountain bike trail and we want to make all the other stuff around it as easy as possible and as seamless as possible that it makes their experience riding the trails their main focus. And then us on the back end supporting that, it's easy to sustain. So uh, you're a secret entrepreneur. <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. What a cool insight into into how you think and what's important to you. So where do you really see a lot of the newer people coming to the sport? What's waiting for them uh, that's really good on the horizon? You see anything in particular there? Um, I, I think definitely in our area here in Western North Carolina, we're seeing a lot more trail access we're seeing a lot more things like canuga popping up you know the riveter is an awesome dirt jump park that they have a dirt jump park and a climbing gym it's covered you can ride it um you can ride it at night you can ride it in the rain because they've got it under the roof there and and just having stuff like that around like sometimes i i i'm numb to it because i do it every day but like my day involves like going and riding at windrock downhill and then coming back in the afternoon and doing a dirt jump session at the riveter and like all this stuff that wasn't necessarily here a couple of years ago is like starting to pop up and it's like it's so cool to to just have access to all that riding and there's other places in the country or like other places in the world that have similar stuff but um i think it's just popping up in in more and more places you know cities are getting pump tracks instead of playgrounds or maybe in addition to um you know more just trail systems built in closer proximity to where people live in in knoxville they have the urban wilderness which is two miles from downtown and they have you know probably fifth i don't even know i don't want to guess how many miles of trails they have but they've got great trails like you can ride for hours and it's it's right in town so it's accessible to way more people I think you'll just see like more things like that popping up and more progression oriented trails. Like you described the ones here, you know, somebody that they they don't know how to jump. They can hit the green jump trail, kind of get their feet wet with it, get the feel for it and then progress up to a blue jump trail. And then once they're proficient, they can get to the black jump trail. And I think you'll start to see more stuff like that popping up and in closer proximity to where people live. And, um, yeah, I just think all the bikes are getting better. 
the bikes are kind of plateaued and they're they were getting expensive for a while but there uh, there's a lot of bikes out there that are that are a great value right now and um <clears throat> it's hard to make a bad bike like all the bike companies have kind of got their bikes to ride well and it's there's not as much difference in performance so you know whatever bike you like you can go get a good one for a good price and then more trails popping up it's it's just a it's really cool and i think the sport's growing a lot on especially on that beginner side and for me being a racer like it'd be cool if hopefully some people want to get involved with racing and they see the sport continue to grow that way um it seems like there's there's definitely opportunities for people to do whether it's cross country or enduro racing at a at a beginner grassroots level and and then um in each region here in the u.s we've got some downhill racing too which is obviously what i love and that's definitely more of a technical form of the sport but it's it's like if you really wanted to you could sign up this weekend there's a downhill southeast race at sugar in north carolina and no matter what ability level you are you could register for that race buy a one-day license to try it out and go race on the cat 2 cat 3 course which is an easier race course than than the pros race on and see if you like it like there's no barrier like you could you could sign up right now and do it which is kind of cool that you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to actually do it now it's it's not a cheap sport you have to have a some equipment that's pretty expensive you don't just need running shoes or a basketball like you need some pretty expensive gear to do it but it's there for you if you want it and i'd say like as far as bang for your buck fun wise it's it's a pretty good one you know like race cars cost a lot of money <laughs> mountain bikes mountain bikes are fairly fairly cheap compared to that but um you can just you can ride them in more and more places now and and there's more and more opportunities so i'd say that's the cool thing oh there's that i love that and it made me think too about where the sport is going it used to be where you had these kind of radical crazy guys going all right let's invent free ride and you had you know the hardcore downhill racers which were in a way it was like more a different kind of skill set cross country races from back then right like uh, i think it was like norba was a thing and those guys really set the ground level for for the the enthusiasts who are now probably in their 40s and 50s and you know, they were going to do it no matter what, they're still going to do it no matter what, but now it's easier than ever to get in and experience, like you said, quite a good bang for your buck. And I mean, even like you said, the pump tracks, if someone puts in a pump track, it doesn't cost that much to get a BMX bike. I'm six foot three and I could probably still get on a BMX bike and still have a good time. And, you know, that's a great way to get into, into mountain biking is go to a local track where you can just practice your skills. And, it's kind of interesting too, because the Southeast has really got it all. We have a ton of private land. We have a lot of people that are trying new things. We have, you know, like you said, people are kind of forward thinking here going, Hey, what if we created this, this park and did it this way? You know, what if we rode uphill too? That's like kind of, that's like, uh, that's like blasphemy for a lot of downhill riders. Like what if we rode uphill and had fun too? But, uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's like, what a cool, what a cool time. And it's almost, uh, in a way the, the pandemic has been a blessing in disguise because a lot of people have taken to riding and, you know, it's not a, it's definitely not good that we're going through that, 
but at the same time, you know, it's, it's always a good time to start something in the middle of, of a challenge because you can really test it. You can see who's really going to be committed to it. And, and frankly, it's a good outlet for people who are going through a tough time. I got messaged by a friend yesterday and he said, you know, uh, job, job situation wasn't too great. And he said, writing has really been like therapy for him. So, um, yeah, it's just really important to, to have an outlet sometimes when this could be the best thing of your day. And, um, yeah, so tell me a little bit more and we can talk a little bit more about, um, really your goals and, and where you see, um, some of your current projects going, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding Canuga or is that, I think we're pretty good on Canuga. I think people got Canuga. Um, so yeah, and we'll wrap up here in just a few minutes, but, um, one thing that we were talking about before in terms of just competitiveness and, um, where you see, you know, yourself in your career right now, kind of going off of all these things you've been creating. I'm, I'm really curious, you know, what do, do you spend a lot of time thinking about, uh, not just racing and results, but other things like you'd like to build, um, and again, we don't have to talk about money, but like building streams of income, building other ways to be involved in the community, building other ways to, to be valuable as a racer besides just winning and results, things like that. I mean, how much time do you actually spend thinking about those kind of things? Cause it seems like you, you, you know, you think a lot about it. I'm just curious, like what, what goes through your mind? man? Yes. Yeah, probably more time than I should. Maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I joke around a lot. Like, uh, Luca and I are real good buddies and he's really good at doing his training, getting it done exactly right, training hard, and then sitting on his couch with his feet up. And I think that's what it takes to really be like the number one guy and, and be able to win these races. And oftentimes like I can't sit still or I put too much on my plate or take on too many things. And it's just, I just am passionate about it. Like I, I see these, I have these ideas or I, I you know, think about something and just, I, I don't see any reason why I can't do it. Like I, I can definitely put this bike park situation together. You know, it, it just comes down to like, I love it. I love building the trails. I love, like I described putting the system in place to make the, make the experience for people. Um, you know, I, we could drive up to the Northeast to ride trails like this at Highland where we have big jumps for trail bikes or full suspension bikes but it'd be nicer if we just had it 20 minutes down the road. Like, uh, I mean, I, I just see all the opportunity, like to have cool stuff right where I live. Like I want to have it and I want to figure out how we can make it possible to be sustainable for everybody. Like I, I couldn't just build these trails in my, like I could build them in my yard, but then who would maintain them? And then they, they wouldn't get ridden enough to be settled in and like they would always just need more maintenance than they were getting used. But hey, if we go build these trails in a public place, then people can ride them. It keeps them up by being used by everyone. Um, they can afford to be maintained on a public piece of, you know, bike park or whatever it is. Um, it's just like, I want to have all this cool stuff to ride. So it's, I'm not just doing it as like a charity. I'm not just doing it at like, Cause I'm, cause I'm a nice guy. Like I want to have cool stuff. I just don't want it to be like in an unsustainable situation. So I just try to build it as like a public thing, something here in my community. That's like, I can be the, the person that gets it going that, that, you know, pushes it over the edge, but 
but once people see how cool the idea is and how how attainable the idea is, then a lot of people jump on board and can help. And and then I can kind of step back more and say like, okay, now I'm just going to go there and ride it. Like Windrock was great. Like I really enjoyed starting that and um, built a place that's really the best training facility, I think, year round in the world for, for downhill riding. Um, most other places are at ski resorts, so they're, they're open for a shorter period of time. But at Windrock, we've got awesome downhill trails that are world cup level and they really make you feel like you feel in a world cup race run, like breaking a lot, um, pretty challenging terrain that you have to put a lot of input into the bike, not a lot of grip. Like if the dirt was just perfect to ride, it's probably not good practice for a world cup. And we got a bunch of stuff at Windrock that is gnarly and challenging just like that. And at the point that Windrock is now, we started in 2016, it's very sustainable on its own. So now I can go to Windrock two days a week and ride downhill and not have to, um, actually run the whole bike park. So that was kind of cool that it could take it from starting it out to now being its own sustainable thing. So yeah, I have a ton of ideas, a ton of things that I want to do. Um, really at the moment, like through this whole pandemic has been a different time for a lot of racers because you get, you get paid to race and paid to, to get results. And a lot of times it's up to your team and your sponsors to take that and prom- use it for promotion and turn your win on the weekend into sales on Monday. But as a, as a racer now, you know, without racing, we're getting paid to compete, but we have to find a way to be valuable to our sponsors in another way. So I've tried to take it on building my personal branding. And, and of course that's, that's beneficial to all my sponsors, but to be, um, to be a, a valuable person as Nico Mullally and not as just a member of my race team or or someone that was on the sponsor roster. That way going forward in the future, you know, I can be someone that that's independently valuable in the sport, which obviously like I am in a lot of ways, but just trying to like do that a little bit better during this time. And, and I think, um, that'll pay off. I mean, the bike industry is doing, doing well, as you mentioned, like a lot of new people riding bikes, shops are sold out of everything, which is really cool. It's great for the sport. Uh, so, so to try to be, be valuable and try to help facilitate that growth is, uh, it's good, but I always find personally the balance between doing things like this, doing that, um, kind of like long-term vision or these grand ideas, building these bike parks, um, and then being a downhill racer that's focused on, you know, winning and doing nothing else. So it's, it's definitely a challenge that way. And, um, I try, I, I struggle a lot with the balance, like certain days I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like doing all my training and then going and working on the trail or like up late at night on the computer, getting things dialed, responding to messages, whatever it is to to be responsible for either the bike park or the races that we've been putting on with downhill southeast or different things that way where it's like you know there's a fine line between that and then just training putting your feet up sleeping like so you know that i think there's a balance and i'm i'm always i'm always fine-tuning it but 
that if I just did that, I'd probably go crazy. So it's just my personality. And here's the thing too, when, yeah, good leadership is you decide what's important. You know, you, you say what you stand for, what you believe in, you know, uh, you want cool places to ride. And then it's, it's modeling that exact experience for other people. And in some cases, literally building it and then, you know, going out and riding with people and saying, this is what it's about. So, uh, love that, you know, love that you have good leadership, self-leadership, even though maybe you said you take on a couple, couple too many things here and there, but that's kind of part of it, man. If you, if you do more than just, you know, sit around and, you know, hang out at the bike park and, um, yeah, I think it's fascinating. What about, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with anyone regarding, um, the rest of the season, any good places to, uh, any, any good places to tune in and watch or, um, any sponsor shout outs you want to throw down before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to race the world championship coming up in October in Leo gang, Austria. It's uh, it's scheduled to go on, and it looks like the race is going to happen. It's just difficult right now with travel to Europe from the U.S. And based on their criteria for us to get in, we're kind of going the opposite direction right now. So um, I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. If, you know, there might be some sort of a loophole where we can get an athlete visa or something to get in, which would be awesome. Regardless, I'm training for the race like it's going to happen, and um, obviously hoping I can race. I'd love to. I love to compete. So I, I don't want to be, um, I don't want the race to be canceled or us not to be able to get there. But at the same time, like if it's just not possible, it's just not possible. So this, this, uh, pandemic's more important than, than our little bike race, even though it's the world championship and everything. But, um, so yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do that. And you can watch that on Red Bull TV. They do great coverage of all the downhill world cups. And then, um, yeah, in the meantime, been, um, trying to make some weekly videos on YouTube and stuff of what, what I've been doing and, and try to put a little bit of thought into them and make them on brand with, with how I want to be perceived. So you can, you can check those out on YouTube through my page, Nico Malale, and then obviously following along on social media. Um, you can kind of see what, what I'm up to on a regular basis. Sometimes I want to you know, I'm always, I always want to do things in, in real life more than social media. I kind of feel like I want to lead that charge, but just try to use it as a platform to just communicate and share information and, and just like not necessarily, um, be on social media all the time, but just like a place where you can update as to what's, what's happening. And especially when we're on cool trips or at a race or something, you know, since put some images on there and, and just kind of, you know, report back to what's, what's going on. It's, it's pretty cool to follow along and see that. So, um, you can, you can check that out. And, um, yeah, obviously thanks to all my sponsors that support me. I race for the intense factory racing team and, and, and they're, they're great with me. And then all of my personal sponsors, um, I think they see value in, in my brand and, and what I'm doing and, in my region and, and in, in the country and, and in the whole world, um, as an athlete and somebody who just loves mountain biking. So I think, uh, yeah, big thanks to them and thanks to all you guys for, for listening. It's, uh, like I said, cool to have a conversation like this in person and, and have the platform to, to talk about mountain biking. 
Nico, thanks again, man. It's been a blast chatting with you and uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for sitting down with me and um, we'll have to do it again sometime. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone, this is Dave again. Thank you so much for listening in. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Share with your riding friends and follow us at mountainbikeacademy.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you love the show, help us help the riding community by leaving us a positive review. This allows more people to see, connect, get inspired, and it makes this world a better place to ride. Thanks so much for your help, and we'll see you on the next episode.